What could you do if your data was working for you and not against you? With Bloomberg delivering enterprise data directly to your systems, you get easy access to the details you want, optimized for higher level analysis, and financial data experts committed to helping you maximize your every move. Our data is made for more, so you can show the world what you're made of. Visit Bloomberg.com slash enterprise data to learn more. Welcome to the Bloomberg Markets Podcast. I'm Paul Sweeney, alongside my co-host, Matt Miller. Every business day, we bring you interviews from CEOs, market pros, and Bloomberg experts, along with essential market-moving news. Find the Bloomberg Markets Podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts and at Bloomberg.com slash podcast. Danielle DiMartino Booth, let's get right to her. She's the CEO and Chief Strategist for Quill Intelligence, also a former advisor at the Federal Reserve Bank of Dallas. So, Danielle, thanks so much for taking the time. I guess where I want to start with is, you know, during the press conference from Fed Chairman Powell, there's obviously questions about potentially a recession, slowing growth, and he took a pretty aggressive tact in pushing back on that narrative. What's your take? What do you think he's trying to do? Well, I think he's trying to do his job, which is to use Fed speak uh, to its fullest and to in induce confidence in the markets and induce confidence among those who are listening to him to say, we've got this under control. We're going to be able to, to navigate a soft landing. And of course, today we've heard that from, from uh, Governor Waller, we've heard the, the, the month July in terms of when they're looking at starting that balance sheet runoff, mm, that would okay. explain why they use the phrase coming months. So clearly they think that this spate of inflation that's induced by Russia invading Ukraine is going to be short-lived and possibly be coming off the time we get towards the end of summer. Was he doing his job last year, Danielle? Oh, gosh, no. Heavens, <laughs> no. No, no, no. No, you just saw first-time homebuyers decrease to 29% from 31%. The National Association of Realtors, uh, Lawrence Yoon, said that it that a payment in February was 28% higher than it was a year earlier. Ugh. At a minimum, you could say, you know what, we'll hold off on Treasury runoff, but we'll go ahead and be responsible to home buyers who cannot buy homes because they're too expensive. We'll be responsible and let those mortgage backs start to run off by themselves before Treasuries. So, Danielle, what do you take of this new wrinkle, I guess, just from an economic perspective, into the equation, which is, a hot shooting war in Eastern Europe. If I'm the Federal Reserve, I've got inflation, I've got slowing growth, now I've got this geopolitical risk. How do you think that factors into the Fed's calculus? Well, it, may, it, it should obviously be a factor, right? This is a this is a, a new idiosyncrasy that's going to affect confidence. Uh, Bank of America has a uh, it, their own proprietary confidence gauge. It fell to the lowest in history uh, in the week through March 13th. So there's clearly a, a, a dent being made, and people are watching the headlines, and they're disturbing. I get that. But the primary source of economic new news out of the situation is that it's pushing inflation higher. And I think that that's a greater offset and that they should look at it through that lens because of the high starting point of gasoline prices rising 38% year over year in, in February CPI. Yeah, I just filled up on the way to work today for well over $5 a gallon, which I guess I should consider myself lucky because the Germans are hoping for legislation that lowers their gas bills to $8 a gallon. <laughs> they feel like that should be well, high. I, I get concerned when we start throwing around price fixing because central bankers all talk to each other. So I don't, well, I don't want anybody getting any ideas here in the United States about price fixing. 
You can look back and Google Nixon and price fixing and see how that ended. No, agree 100%. The thing is, the price is already fixed in Germany because like 95% of what you pay at the pump is taxes. You know, so all they need to do is reduce some of that burden. And I'm sure we have a similar, uh, not nearly as bad, but um, similar tax burden here. Uh, what I was going to ask about is um, the, the, the growth, the slowing growth, I guess, is a the bigger concern. And it looks like when you have a commodity shock, which we have had, or when you have the Fed um, starting to raise rates, which we have, or when you have yield curves invert, which we saw yesterday, um, these things all tend to lead to recessions. Not necessarily you're going to have a recession after the, but you know, all three of them at once. Do we have a recession next year? I'm not so sure. My good friend Peter Cicchini said this morning that his base case is a, is a recession in 2022, based purely on what he's seen and the rapidity of the cycle compression. We, we got accustomed to 10 years of expansion, and now we're talking about things happening inside of a two- to three-year vacuum. So there's no reason to go by the old playbook that suggests that once we see yield curves flirting with inversion, that it shouldn't be a faster runway between that moment and when we go into an actual contraction. And again, this is a byproduct of the Fed waiting too long last year to take the opportunity of beginning to normalize then. Were you surprised at all, Danielle, that they did not raise by 50 basis points uh, this week? I was not surprised at all. That, okay. that did not surprise me in, in, in the least. I was shocked that they said in coming months about the balance sheet. And I'm even more shocked because now that we have Waller out on the wires, you know what was, what, what's being contemplated among those on the Federal Open Market Committee, and that right now appears to be July. So I was expecting there to, there to be an indication that, that balance sheet runoff would start in May. And even is it going to be $80 billion a month or $100 billion a month? Lori Logan of the New York um, Fed Markets Desk and John Williams, the president of the New York Fed, they've been fairly explicit in terms of where they saw that balance sheet runoff beginning at what levels and how aggressively they would they would have it run, which would be more aggressively than the last time they, they attempted this. And yet, they appear to be extremely hesitant on this tack, and that was what surprised me the most. Okay. Danielle DiMartino Booth, we knew we'd get the clean skinny on what's going on with our Federal Reserve. Danielle DiMartino Booth, CEO and Chief Strategist at Quill Intelligence, still concerned that the Federal Reserve is behind the curve here. Yeah. Um, and, and the risk is that they get a little too aggressive to try and catch up, and and that's what could push you into Although a recession. Although it's unlikely they'll do that with the balance sheet, right? I mean, remember when they wanted to reduce the $4 trillion balance sheet, which was already eye-poppingly large, um, just a couple of years later, uh, we're looking at $9 trillion. Nine. So, yeah, Nine, Nine times. <laughs> Nine times for those that get the reference. Hi, I'm Ron Krzyzewski, Chairman and CEO of Stiefel. Financial Advisors, if you're not growing your practice, you're losing market share. Stiefel is a growing entrepreneurial, advisor-centric firm built for successful advisors like you. Imagine having the resources of the largest wirehouses and the support of the boutique shops, but none of the bureaucracy to get in the way of you serving your clients. At Stiefel, it's your business, your book, your clients. I always tell the advisors we're recruiting, I want you to come to Stiefel and double or triple your business. 
Most of them laugh and shake their heads, but I'm serious. Don't take it from me. Take it from Stiefel's number one finish in J.D. Power's 2023 U.S. Financial Advisor Satisfaction Study. So there's a reason why 148 financial advisors joined Stiefel last year. Come join us and find out why Stiefel is the firm where success meets success. Visit www.choosestifel.com. Stiefel Nicholas and Company Incorporated, member SIPC and NYSE. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. We got some eco data out. We got the leading economic indicator came out today. Pretty decent, I'm going to say. I'm not, you know, I think our economy hanging in there. But let's get the details. Ottoman Ozeldrum, senior director of economic research at the conference board. Ottoman, talk to us about the leading economic indicator data that just came out this morning. Yeah. Uh, good morning. Good to be here. Uh, so yes, the leading economic index came out this morning. It increased uh, about 0.3 percent in February. Uh, that's uh, reversing the revised decline from January. And overall, the leading economic index uh, remains on a moderately rising trajectory, uh, pointing to continuing expansion for the U.S. economy. So after after weathering the Omicron uh, wave in the beginning of the year, the U.S. economy um, is in fairly good shape in the first quarter. But what can you see about um, what's to come? Right. So uh, there are some clouds in the horizon, um, and uh, we've been, uh, you know, looking at uh, what inflation means uh, for household budgets, uh, consumer spending. Uh, we uh, look at the volatility in stock prices. Um, and uh, one of the negative contributors uh, this month was a building permits fell and uh, the the housing construction uh, sector is likely to be uh, negatively affected you know as the fed continues to raise rates for the rest of the year so uh, you know there are some clouds that'll slow growth um, and uh, we've seen that in you know some of the uh, growth numbers getting revised for 2022 um, and on, unfortunately, on top of that, we have uh, the Russian invasion uh, uh, of Ukraine that is creating a major shock uh, for the global economy. Uh, so it's, uh, it could also lower the trajectory and uh, lower growth rates uh, further for 2022. It's kind of where I wanted to go, Ottoman. I think um, some folks are say, hey, when you put these rapid and significant rate increases along with uh, a shooting war in Europe, that might be enough to push you know, some economies into a recession. Is the R word in your vocabulary for the next year or two? Uh, not yet. Uh, so, you know, the leading economic index is a gauge of uh, recessions. It's used for predicting recessions. And uh, so far, it hasn't been uh, signaling anything like that. And uh, looking ahead, we have to watch that uh, very carefully. Uh, but the you know underlying trend trajectory for the U.S. economy uh, has been uh, fairly healthy. Um, and, um, you know, even though revising growth rates down to around 3% for 2022, um, we, we are still looking at uh, pretty uh, robust, uh, above average uh, growth rates. 
In terms of uh, what the Fed does here, um, do you get the idea that this is hurting the, the leading indicators? Uh, it does uh, create a potential downward uh, risk for uh, many leading uh, indicators, as well as for the economy, of course. Uh, that's what we're trying to measure here. Um, so as those rates uh, start to go up uh, to fight inflation, we're going to begin to see uh, the impacts uh, starting out, you know, spilling over into mortgage rates and credit card rates. And those are the channels or mechanisms that work to uh, slow the economy and attempt to control inflation. So um, we will begin to see some of that, but uh, compared to the negative effect of uncontrolled inflation on uh, right. consumers' purchasing power, it's, uh, uh, it might be preferable. Yep. All right, Ottoman, thank you so much for joining us and breaking down some of this uh, leading economic indicator data. Ottoman Ozeldrum, Senior Director of Economic Research at the Conference Board. All right, Matt, here you go. You go get your Bachelor's of Science in Mechanical Engineering from Berkeley. And then you cross the metaphorical street and get your Ph.D. in Material Science and Engineering from Stanford. Then what do you do? You go to Wall Street. That's what our next guest did. Interesting play. Ancor Crawford, Executive Vice President, Portfolio Manager, Fred Alger, Asset Management. Uh, Anchor, thanks so much for joining us here. Appreciate you taking the time. All right, you've got all these engineering degrees. How do you apply that stuff to the markets? <laughs> Actually, I don't. Um, <laughs> and your parents are saying, oh, my goodness. I know that is actually what they said. But, um, you know, I think uh, with engineering, all it is, is is pattern recognition. At the end of the day, what we look for, even as investors, is, is different patterns in the market, different patterns in, in companies, in stocks, in the numbers. And so you really take that learning as an engineer, and I'm able to apply it to the markets. What are you seeing in those markets right now? What are the patterns you're seeing? Because, boy, you got a lot of cross currents on there that you have a lot of bricks in that wall of worry now you get to add geopolitical risks how are you viewing the market right now you know it is the market is actually quite fascinating right now in um you know we have the end of covid and the return of normal and a return to normalization of covid at least in the u.s we have this geopolitical risk that we haven't experienced in three generations um we have the reverberations of um, all of these effects on the supply chains causing inflation readings that we haven't seen in four decades. Um, so there's a lot of different cross-currents, as you mentioned, in the market right now. However, what we're focused on is really understanding what's getting baked in. And so we are very deep in the numbers for each of the businesses that we own. And we, we probability weight the, the effect of a recession, for example. And um, what Sorry, what was that? What what what's your uh, probability of recession? Oh, we don't we don't we just probability weight it. So we say if there's a five percent probability of a recession, this is where we think the 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 bear case will be or the number should go to. If there's twenty five percent probability of a recession, the numbers will toggle down, right? So we basically can toggle the the probability of recession up and down in the numbers. And what we found is that. Really, there's some of these businesses that, that we're looking at, especially in the growth sector, that have gotten completely um, sold off over the last three months, are trading at free cash flow yields, even in a more recessionary case, that are quite compelling, especially relative to the cash flow yield of the S&P. So it is interesting because the market is, has very quickly baked in 
a much higher probability of a recessionary case scenario because of all these cross currents that we had talked about. So which companies do you think Ankur do well in even in a recession case? Not saying that we're having a recession, but if we do, where do you want to be? So look, I think I think the recession is going to at least in the US, if if we do have a recession, which I am I am very much on the fence about if we see a recession in the US in part because the consumer is so incredibly resilient. They have two point five trillion dollars of excess savings that can be used to thwart off the effects of a recession. Um, they have under leveraged balance sheets still that they can the consumer can still lever up. However, if um you know, there are several very interesting themes in the market right now that have duration and have growth aspects that, that are almost uh, not related to the economy. And so in, in big tech, if you look at a company like Microsoft, um, you know, 85% of that business is um, they have visibility over the next year into the, into the revenues. And so, you know, even in a recessionary case scenario, the numbers on the on the top and the bottom line are not going to flex up and down all that much, in part because they're really the hub of this digital transformation and industrial re- revolution that we are experiencing right now. Um, on the other hand, if you look at consumer, we believe that the higher-end consumer will be also quite resilient, and they have a, a great wealth effect that they've experienced from both the market, home prices, both going up over the last few years, and there are businesses like Vail Mountain Resorts that are trading Ooh, at 5 yeah. and 6% free cash flow yields as, as you look out a couple of years. And we think they, they will be relatively resilient through, through um, a slowdown in the economy. Anchor Energy's had a nice run here, got oil uh, north of $100 a barrel, WTI. Has that trade played out? Has which trade played out? Kind of the energy trade, just kind of being long energy. Yeah. You know what? I think... I think we're not going back to um, energy and and stock prices where they were at $30 a barrel, um, in part because of like people are realizing that the there's this very strategic aspect to oil, and um, but has it played out? I think I think it has, and in part the global economies will start to slow, um, and demand for for oil will will decline, and so. Um, you know, I do. I do think that it has mostly played out. That said, I do think that oil stays higher for longer, um, and maybe not at 120, 140, where it got to at its peak. But could it could it stay at 80 bucks for a long time? It could. All right, Ankur, thank you so much for joining us. Really appreciate you taking the time. Ankur Crawford, EVP and Portfolio Manager for Fred Alger Management. Success is more than the final destination. It's a path you take one step at a time. It's discipline. It's teamwork. And it's the drive and passion inside of us that comes before all recognition. It's what Stiefel's been doing for over 130 years. Quietly, yet strategically, Stiefel's become one of the fastest growing wealth management and investment banking firms in the country. Our financial advisors go beyond traditional wealth management to provide clients with direct access to one of the industry's largest equity research franchises and a leading middle market investment bank because success is the drive it takes to keep climbing, the passion to keep investing, the best of each of us made better by the best in all of us. And that is where success meets success. Start your journey at Stiefel.com. That's S-T-I-F-E-L.com. Stiefel Nicholas and Company Incorporated, member SIPC and NYSE. 
Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code Radio20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. Let's talk space. Let's talk satellites. I mean, you can see basically with the satellites we have in the air these days, you can see just about anything. You can get a picture of just about anything. Peter Platzer, CEO of Spire, joins us. Spire is a publicly traded company, went public via a SPAC, it looks like, back in 2020. Um, yeah, they offered 23 million shares at $10 via my good friends at Credit Suisse. All right, Peter, talk to us about Spire. Give us the 30-second elevator pitch. What is Spire? What are you guys up to these days? Absolutely happy to. We are a data and analytics company, and we're leveraging space to solve business and ESG challenges for companies, countries, and communities all across the world. We, uh, we designed and launched and own and operate the world's largest radio frequency-based um, satellite constellation to observe the Earth. You know, we track some $17 trillion of global trade, the, uh, the $2 trillion aviation industry, and, and, and the weather all across the globe, which you also predict up to 10 days out. Um, uh, and as you as you well know, the weather is impacting, you know, at least $25 trillion of global GDP. And with climate change, that is just getting more extreme, you know, almost every single week, I want to say. Um, uh, we what about war, today, Peter? Do you yes. watch this war? Yes, we do. Um, and, you know, it is with data and insights from space that uh, the truth and transparency can be shed on, on such a global conflict. And I think we have been witnessing this really firsthand um, as it relates to the situation in the Ukraine right now, um, with, with commercial companies like Spire really bringing that data and transparency uh, to the world. Um, you know, our data has been used by humanitarian efforts, you know, by the media to bring that, uh, that knowledge and transparency, as well as some other areas, as I'm sure you can, you can probably um, imagine. And really being able to participate um, helping people and humanity in, you know, this particular situation as a European is, uh, like, like I'm, I'm from Austria, is something that is very, very meaningful to me personally. So, Peter, the supply chain, global supply chain has been a big, big issue for the world's economies. It's a global story. People are always trying to figure out where are the ships, where are the trucks, where are the trains? Um, how have you kind of taken a look at that side of the business? So supply chain is a, is a very, very nice industry for us um, uh, from a customer perspective. Um, we track all of the world's ships, where they are, where they're going, what they're doing, how fast they are, where they will arrive, why they will arrive, um, as well as uh, the planes. And then, as you imagine, once you are on land and transportation happens um, in, in trucks, then weather has a massive impact on, on potential disruptions there. And so everything from, uh, you know, the blocking of the Suez Canal and the, and the ripple effects all across the world on the ports um, to, you know, just today we put out a, a little story about the shutting down of, of Shenzhen. You know, we have been able to, to monitor those activities 
and then help our customers uh, uh, preempt them and know what to do uh, based on what is happening and how they can get a bit of a leg up in their own supply chain management and in their understanding of what is happening to their own supply chain based on the data and analytics that we can provide them. In terms of um, your company, your stock uh, has come down pretty substantially over the last, I guess, six months. What's going on there? You know, honestly, if, if, I, if I could predict and understand the market with great certainty, I'd probably spend more time in Vegas and rather than helping our customers. Hmm. But uh, I think, I think there's, there's probably a number of elements. You know, one of them is certainly that we are in a, in a, in a very, very risk-off environment. I spent, uh, I spent 10 years in Wall Street as a quantitative investment manager um, uh, in, in longer-term trading. And, and certainly when you have situations like a, uh, a geopolitical crisis in Europe, uh, when you have a situation like a pandemic, um, uh, but then a risk of interest rates rising, um, you know, you have, a, you have a very risk-off environment that has been, you know, very negative for high-growth companies. Um, I think additionally, you know, the, the products that we have serve industries that are vast and large, but they're not, you know, uh, top of mind for people. I mean, you started off by talking about the pictures well, that you can get from satellites, but the data that we do that cover, for example, you know, a $400 billion fishing industry, that's just not as much top of mind. And I think I need to do a better job in bringing that to life with people. Well, and what's the growth outlook? I mean, what kind of revenues are you expecting, say, this year, and, and what do the margins look like? Yeah, so we, you know, we had a, um, a very, very strong finish to the year. We exceeded guidance uh, both on the uh, uh, top line and bottom line elements, so region at the very top of it. Um, fourth quarter revenue was uh, $15 million, up 106% year over year. Um, we reached um, uh, 71 million almost of uh, annually recurring revenue, which was a 96% year-over-year increase. Um, guidance for this year on the revenue side is 85 to 90 million of revenue, which is a year-over-year growth rate of uh, of over 100% at the midpoint. So growth is 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 really really phenomenal. Um, uh, we see the demand in every single one of our um, uh, segments. We see it in the, uh, uh, the maritime, the aviation, the weather, as well as the space services segment. And we continue to drive you know, very, very aggressively to profitability despite that high growth rate. Hey, Peter, thanks so much for joining us. Really interesting company. Peter Platzer, CEO of Spire. Again, that trades on the New York Stock Exchange, SPIR. Thanks for listening to the Bloomberg Markets Podcast. You can subscribe and listen to interviews at Apple Podcasts or whatever podcast platform you prefer. I'm Matt Miller. I'm on Twitter at MattMiller1973. And I'm Paul Sweeney. I'm on Twitter at P.T. Sweeney. Before the podcast, you can always catch us worldwide at Bloomberg Radio. What could you do if your data was working for you and not against you? With Bloomberg delivering enterprise data directly to your systems, you get easy access to the details you want, optimized for higher level analysis, and financial data experts committed to helping you maximize your every move. Our data is made for more, so you can show the world what you're made of. Visit Bloomberg.com enterprise data to learn more.